welcome to the Two World Podcast, where you can hear thoughts and reflections on unique intersections between faith and culture. Tune in regularly for this foray into feelings of surprise and interconnectedness and aha moments in life when two worlds come together. Now join your hosts, Barney and Jacob, for this most recent episode. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Two World Podcast. Uh, Once again, I'm Barney, and I will be in charge of the hosting duties today. In our last episode, we uncovered that myself and Jacob, we have a mutual affinity for an attraction to overseas travel. And we heard some of my story and how my time with the Mennonite Central Committee in Thailand ended up being so much more than I could have anticipated uh, in terms of shaping my faith and uh, my life in so many ways. Today, I thought it would be appropriate for us to listen to some of Jacob's experiences and um, see how how his relationship with travel has shaped his life as well. Also, as a side note, you may occasionally hear some rattling noise on my end. Uh, no need to worry, it's just a typhoon. <laughs> so Jacob, last time you mentioned that you were thinking of maybe leaning toward international business as a career, Um, but then eventually uh, felt called to the seminary instead. And you were, in the course of that, you were able to incorporate some traveling into your experiences uh, during seminary. How was it that that came about? Sure. Uh, Well, it came about through uh, season during college when I was doing a lot of reading and reflection. My wife, who at the time was my girlfriend, said, boy, Jacob, you're talking a lot about theology and reading a lot of books about scripture and theology, maybe you should consider exploring seminary. And the same was true for my friends. My friends were Mm -hmm. saying a very similar message. And so I ended up meeting with Katie's former pastor, and we talked a little bit about my journey and how I was feeling stirred and wanting to learn more in these areas. And he really encouraged me to take that seriously and Mm -hmm. From his perspective, he felt like it sounded like a a calling, a a sense of investing in learning about ministry and theology and scripture for the next part of my education. He thought that really sounded like what he was hearing on his end, so he encouraged me to do that. And so Mm -hmm. that was my springboard, or the change in my trajectory came from that season, and that was towards the end of my undergraduate Career. Uh-huh. So I, at, at the time, had applied to a few different programs, but it was after that conversation with him that I really felt that I should apply to seminaries. So I did. But in terms of um, connecting that with travel, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. in undergraduate, I was an international relations major. Uh, they didn't have an international business degree, but I was kind of drawn to that. And um, I w- kept debating what would be a good experience abroad for me, given my interest. I was a French minor, and so for a long time I was thinking mm. of going to a French-speaking country. Right. But uh, I ended up one semester working in the International Programs Office, which is the office on campus that pairs students with programs abroad. And so I got <laughs> to see a lot of literature and what was available. And there was a program with the Rothberg International School connected with the Hebrew mm-hmm. University in Jerusalem. Oh, wow. And it looked so interesting, but it wasn't an approved program. I would need to get permission from our department chair. And so I met with him and explained Mm -hmm. to him how it 
interested I was in going to Israel, how I wanted to study the history of the Middle East peace process. And mm-hmm. um, I had written a little bit about it my sophomore year. And so I thought it would be okay. interesting going into junior year, learn more about it. And so he approved that, going to that uh-huh. program. And so I applied and was accepted. And for me, there were several layers to that trip. One, I really wanted to experience another culture. And mm-hmm. as I said earlier, learn more about peace process and the history behind it. But I also wanted to visit Israel as part of, in a sense, a pilgrimage that was connected with my faith journey. So that was really interesting to have those different layers. And I had at that point already started learning Hebrew on my own, biblical Hebrew. And then once I was accepted into the program, I started learning modern Hebrew on my own as much as I could. I see. So I actually, just as an aside, I actually... Um, took a semester of Hebrew at Goshen as well, just because I thought it would be interesting of biblical Hebrew. What did you think? Yeah, it was uh, it was taught by Paul Kime, so who was kind of a linguist there, and it was really a lot of fun to um, actually see these printouts of um, you know the Bible, and he's like, you know, okay, congratulations, everyone, you just read Genesis one. Right? <laughs> it was just really fascinating to touch the Bible in that kind of really deeper, real level in that way. Oh, for sure. Oh, yes. Yeah. I just remember like when I first delve into Hebrew, the imagery in the actual root mm. words, because each Hebrew word mm. can be broken down into roots, is often so rich. And we read in English in the beginning, God created heavens and the earth, and the earth was formless right. and void. And in Hebrew, you read the sense of the darkness of the ocean, the sense uh, of like a primordial quietness and uh, yeah. lack of activity. And, you know, we, we just gloss over that in English and think, oh, formless and void. <laughs> we don't think of like this deep right. like sense of um, uh, absence of life and activity. And then, you know, the Hebrew makes it like, oh, God was really speaking into this reality. So yeah. uh, language is beautiful. See that one. Yeah. How much how much of, of a sense of power that this word just this small syllable, one or two syllables can have. Yes. Right. Yeah. So your trip to to Israel then, it was even before you joined the seminary, is that correct? Yes, that's right. That's right. When I decided, that was a point where I was really trying to discern between French and um, mm-hmm. international relations. And mm-hmm. I, I would say that probably this trip abroad helped also my trajectory into seminary. Mm -hmm. But at this point in the journey, it preceded seminary. So yes, it was really more choosing international relations and traveling and going somewhere else instead of being a French major. I just made it a minor at that point instead of going abroad to France. Yeah, I see. And and then so the design of this program was also uh, what intended for better understanding um, the complexities of um, what the the different... um, political situation in the Middle East, or especially in, in Israel. Is that yes, or? yes. I took two courses when I was there. Uh, one was that very thing, the, the mm-hmm. history of the Middle East peace process, which also involves the history of the conflict and uh, the factors mm-hmm. that led up to the various moments. And um, But then also uh, modern Hebrew. They We did what yeah. they called an ulpan, which was like an immersion program in modern Hebrew. Oh, so wow. it was, yeah, um, yeah five days a week and you live there on campus and walk to class every day and as you're walking to class you see these beautiful stone buildings and people are all around oh, wow. you speaking Hebrew and then you go into class yeah. and it's um, 
almost exclusively in Hebrew, and so it was a great way to to dive in and learn. And um, there is a huge amount of overlap between modern Hebrew and biblical Hebrew because it essentially was reintroduced as a modern language with the foundation Mm -hmm. of the state of Israel, and so they had to create a lot of words for modern things that didn't exist in biblical Hebrew to kind of launch Uh it as a modern language, and so a lot of things carried over. There's one really interesting example. The word for electricity in modern Hebrew is inspired by the word in um, Hebrew describing the the glory that surrounds God. As you you look at God, there's this sense of glory or emanating out from. And one of those words in Hebrew inspired the modern Hebrew word for electricity. So even if you are just a modern Hebrew speaker and you look at the Bible, you see certain words and be like, and there was electricity surrounding (laughs) You could extrapolate you could by reverse, you know, into into the ancient, but it's really interesting. Over, wow. Yeah. Oh, wow. That really is fascinating. Um, uh, last time we kind of talked about um, maybe uh, as Thailand being my first kind of real trip abroad and, and uh, instances of culture shock. Did you have any? Um, did you feel more prepared for um, your trip there? Or did you find um, quite a few things that had ended up being surprising or unexpected? Oh, for sure, I did have culture shock, and I came back actually a little bit depressed from that trip because I think I, I tend to be an optimistic person in general, mm-hmm. um, and mm-hmm. so I was going to study the peace process, which, you know, at the time, in 2000, I don't know how much you remember or our listeners remember, mm-hmm. but uh, Israel at that time had a very open and positive uh, leader, Ehud Barak, who was yeah, uh, pursuing yeah. the peace process yeah. very, very fervently. In fact, it made it like a central part of his work. Yeah. And so they had this really interesting um, pos- potentially breakthrough meeting at Camp David with Yasser yeah. Arafat and yeah. Ehud Barak. And they had this like funny moment where... They were going into a room at the same time, and they were jostling to see who would let the other go first. And it was like, is this potentially some um, moment of breakthrough? You know, if if ever, this seems like the greatest opportunity. And so there was a lot of optimism at the time. And it was like, I'm studying this. You know, things are unfolding. It's historic. And then right as I was leaving, there was... a a renewed intifada, which is uh, that Arabic word for uprising, which was essentially Mm. meaning there was another breakdown in the, in the dialogue Mm. and the peace process. And eventually Barack, um, Ehud Barak was voted out and a more hardline leader, Benjamin Netanyahu came back in and it just felt so sad. And um, the other thing Mm. um, is that uh, it's, it's interesting at the university having a mix of Israeli and Palestinian classmates we, there were common areas oh. at night where people would be spending time like out in the courtyard talking and you got to hear people's stories and just seeing the depth of of pain from both sides from the years oh. of tension and the sense of displacement from the Palestinians and from the Israelis the sense of, of acts of violence from certain factions in the mm-hmm. Palestinian group and mm-hmm. then I met Palestinian Christians who felt like a double minority who weren't accepted oh, yeah. by Jews or their Arab neighbors they felt and I just came away mm-hmm. profoundly saddened, and it definitely mm-hmm. challenged me too. Having been in the majority of my home culture for many years, growing up in the Midwest, I definitely felt like, oh, this is a chance for me to to listen more. And so, yeah, culture shock came in a lot of ways, but I think it, yeah. it was partly the shock of not being in the main group, and then seeing these tensions and having being powerless to change it, and recognizing that my uh-huh. naivete coming in of hope 
that the situation would be resolved was really misplaced. A lot of people afterwards said, Jacob, you, you don't seem yourself. Because I think probably for a month or two, I was just really kind of quiet and down. It was from that experience. And I don't know if you had this too, when you come back after meeting yeah. friends and, and learning about a new culture, and you've experienced so much, and it's hard to convey that to your family and friends back home. And there's a certain sadness yeah. in that too, I think. Uh, you've had this experience, but it's hard to communicate, and you're kind of mourning a change. It's, yeah. it's so, yeah. But in terms of like some of the more basic things, like we think of food mm-hmm. or clothing, um, mm-hmm. in a lot of ways, Israel has a lot of westernized practices and tendencies. So Mm -hmm. food was very similar to me. Uh, There were a lot, there were more Mediterranean type options like uh, pita and falafel and a lot of cucumber and tomatoes uh, and hummus. But those were delicious, fresh and good. But um, there were a lot of other food items that were familiar to me. So I didn't have as much shock there. And clothing styles were very similar. Um, So Mm. yeah, I guess I should also ask how long was the um the program was it a semester or a year or it was uh basically just a summer term yeah so i see yeah uh-huh. so i had two courses over the summer so it would have been mm-hmm. really from beginning to end about two months so i see yeah and did you spend basically all of your time just around campus or did you have the chance to travel a bit i did have the chance to travel yes i had mentioned before that part of this for me was uh in a sense a pilgrimage and so i mm-hmm. in my mind i had hoped before going that I could see a lot of sites that we hear about in the New Testament of where Jesus ministered yeah. or walked or, or, or lived. And so I took a trip to the, the Galilee region in Israel uh, around oh, wow. Lake Gennesaret. Uh, and it was so beautiful yeah. to see um, the, the rolling hills and the lake itself, mm-hmm. particularly in the mm-hmm. evening when, around sunset, a beautiful lake and surrounded by these small towns. And in a lot of these small towns, um, there are um, pilgrimage sites where they commemorate certain events that happen. They don't know for sure if whether 100% mm-hmm. historically they happen in those spots, but they're essentially places to go to remember them. So there's mm-hmm. a, a church that's dedicated to Jesus's teaching of the Beatitudes. And it's in a beautiful mm-hmm. uh location overlooking the lake and there are these lush gardens beside it and um so we got to go there and then to the place where the jordan river flows into the sea of galilee and to see what the jordan looked like it was a lot smaller than i thought (laughs) but it was really interesting yes we also traveled north to Mount Hermon, mm-hmm. the tallest mountain in Israel, oh, and there was still right. some snow up there when we got to the top, which was really wow. interesting in the summertime, you know, to see a little bit yeah. of snow. Um, it was beautiful. You could ride uh, ski lifts up there and also traveled to the Dead Sea and floated in the oh, Dead wow. Sea a little bit. And there's some interesting sites yeah. around there, Masada, um, this old Jewish fort mm. that you could go up a, essentially a rock path to get to, and right. Qumran, where they found the Dead Sea Scrolls. Yeah. Yeah, and then we traveled to a, a Bedouin camp further out in the desert regions of Israel. We went to the Sinai Peninsula uh, and, and oh, wow. went hiked up Mount Sinai and saw the sunrise from the top of Mount Sinai, which was uh, breathtaking. And really? um, there was a large oh. group from Korea singing hymns in Korean at really? the top of the mountain. Yeah, oh, wow. when we got there, it was amazing. Wow. <laughs> Everybody was um, so friendly and like passing out cereal bars to each other. <laughs> just, no kidding. Just, yeah, it was re- really a special moment. Uh, and then... Wow. I was also able to travel into Egypt, and I know you said last week that you really wanted oh, yes, to see Egypt, right. so we right. went to Cairo, yeah. Memphis, and Sukkara, and saw some of the ancient wow. site pyramids and the Sphinx, and some of the um, old architectural, you know, sp- 
wonders. So that was yes. very special. And then back to Israel. So yeah, I, I was able to see a lot of things in Israel that were special. Mm. Um, we went into some of the Palestinian-controlled areas too, oh, wow. and um, Bethlehem. Saw the Church mm. of the Nativity, which was uh, beautiful, and oh, wow. they have a crypt or a, a low place. Uh, where they have this yeah. silver star, and in it is a container holding oil, and that's where they commemorate the the birthplace of Jesus. And wow. That was special, yes. And I went to Nablus, and I went to a few other mm. areas controlled. Oh, what would have been uh, in the biblical times uh, in Samaria, where around where Jesus had the conversation with the Samaritan woman, and yeah. so Mount Gerizim was there, yeah. um, and um, that was fascinating. What what I was struck by was the mixture of of, of Christian and Jewish and Muslim holy sites and all these areas, yeah. different spots around, and the mixture of ancient and modern, really, really old buildings, mm-hmm. and then right next to it, mm-hmm. some modern store or neon lights hanging on something. Just the, It's a really mm-hmm. fascinating mixture there in the Holy Land. That is really an interesting way to put it, how trying to um, keep the ancient and the, and the past and the holy aspect of it together while still understanding that they have to... Um, you know, what make room for yes. um, the modern things of, yes. of life today too. Yeah. Um, are you familiar with the um, the what the DVD series or the study series um, that the world may know? Where um, I think it's a historian or an archaeologist taking a group around different um, uh, tells in Israel that um, uh, were relevant to the Bible and teaching about um, things that happened to the Bible. Um, while at those places, um, I've I've heard of that, but I've not seen it. Is it good? Do you recommend yeah. it? So, yeah, myself as as um, I studied history, and for me, it was just fantastic and fascinating to see these different places uh, relevant to the Old Testament and New Testament, and really makes it come me, especially like seeing the the olive presses, mm. um, the different towns, and um, that those olive presses are called a Gethsemane. Yeah. Yes. And so there is a, I think that the whole area is so interesting because there are roads that you can walk on past Mm -hmm. this olive grove area, this olive tree area Mm -hmm. down into a valley. And then you walk up into the city of David, that older part of the Mm -hmm. old city where the Mm -hmm. Temple Mount is. And um, there's a beautiful church that is built beside this garden area where they commemorate where Jesus prayed the night of his arrest. Mm -hmm. In that church, it was so different architecturally than any of the other ones. The ceiling was painted as a night sky with dark blues, dark tones of blue, and it had stars. And and I don't know if it's, they were trying to capture the sense of like, this event took place at night. And so they were trying to represent Uh, even the the inner part of the sanctuary with this sense of a nighttime. Um, But that was one of my favorite churches, just the way that the, when you enter the space, how it drew you in and and represented that moment with art in different places around the building and just sitting it was so quiet there in that garden area and um a very holy place and on the outside of it there is a mosaic um on the top of the church of jesus praying and the it's a beautiful it's like it has vibrant colors for his his cloak and what the others are wearing but his expression is interesting it's both it's very serious like mm. you can tell he's going through a time of struggle, but it also has this right. kind of transcendence to it. Like I'm, uh-huh. I'm, I'm, this is incredibly difficult. It's overwhelming, but I have this sense that this is leading somewhere that yeah. it will overcome what I'm going through. And so it's one of those places of all the th- sites I saw where the art really mm. captured the mm. ethos or the feeling of what you might think that the place is trying to signify. 
there are two sites in Jerusalem where they mm-hmm. commemorate the burial of Jesus. And one of them is held by, I think it's three or four different churches, the Catholic Church and two different types of Eastern Orthodox churches. And then the third type is maybe Armenian, which is also Orthodox, but it is a different branch. Mm. And they share it. It's the Church of the Holy Sepulchre. And I remember going in there. And so because it's shared, the different parts of the church are, they have a different aesthetic based on the tradition of the group. And But it's, yeah. it's very somber and dark. And it feels like more similar to a tomb and but then you go down into uh-huh. the base and I remember spending time there and thinking this is this is very heavy and serious and then I went to the garden tomb which is another yeah. place that commemorates his burial place and it's full of beautiful flowers and it's open and there's a little place where you can enter where a stone is rolled away and that you can see a burial mm-hmm. spot and it's just a like a lighter color stone and it feels more celebratory, like more the feeling of resurrection. Uh, I thought, how interesting, two sites right. commemorating the same thing, but two very oh, different yeah. <laughs> experiences based right. on, the, on the space. So Yeah, um, yeah. It, it kind of, it seems, you know, you, your time in Israel and going to these, all these different sites related to the Bible, you know, it's kind of like... A softball, you know, like an easy um, question coming up here, you know, how did this relate to your faith ah. and your journey in faith? But, you know, how were, how do you think, did it, unpacking, was it almost too much to take in at once? Did it take you quite a while to unpack all of these different sites too? Yes. And how they kind of personally impacted? Yes, I think it did. It was too much to take in all at once. And I guess a lot of experiences in life can be that way. And over time, you unpack them more. But I definitely Mm -hmm. think there was a point where I was taking so many things in and I wanted to and it was Mm -hmm. very meaningful. Mm -hmm. But then I think I did get overwhelmed. And I remember sitting in the computer lab in the Boyer building on campus and writing an email to my uncle. And I started crying as I was writing him because I started, I had this deep sense of, like I've gone to these places because I was looking for something, yeah. like I to connect with God, right. to have some de- deeper insight, and I kind of came to this yeah. feeling of being overwhelmed and feeling like I just needed to remember that I could meet with God anywhere, like in in uh-huh. in my backyard or in the Boyer Building where I was typing. Like God was present there, yeah. and I had this sense of I don't know if you want to say disillusionment, but this sense of mm-hmm. boy, I've gone to all these places trying to capture this experience but i missed the point mm-hmm. that a place like that isn't needed like god can meet you where you are and it was very meaningful yeah. to me and i as i was crying i think i was also unle- unleashing some of that inner struggle mm-hmm. of being away from home and mm-hmm. missing my family and um and also trying oh, to yeah. process all this and as a young young adult and not having traveled much and it came out mm-hmm. in this mm-hmm email i still have the email my mom printed it my uncle fact this oh, this wow. date shows the date of that era they faxed a copy to my parents and they kept the fax in a photo album so i still have the photo album um actually it's oh, wow. it's right here oh, yeah wow. i was looking through it before yeah. our, our time here but anyway yeah. to answer your question i think for sure i felt overwhelmed and i still every once in a while we'll think back on something from that time and have a new insight mm-hmm. on it so it's still mm-hmm. continuing to wow. to bless me but I think for sure it had an impact. It definitely made me appreciate the chance to visit physical locations related to events and to mm. have it mm. things demystified a little bit and to realize that biblical events unfolded in real human space, just like yeah. the life world we inhabit <laughs> where we are. And, mm. and I appreciated the beauty of the place. And so now when I read stories 
in my mind, I can, I have a reference point for certain things and think, oh, I can remember, mm-hmm. that was so beautiful. I can imagine that lake that's behind them, or I can imagine them hiking in this spot or standing here. And, and that's meaningful. But I think it did stretch me overall to want to be more interested in reconciliation between people. Mm-hmm. When I saw mm-hmm. Palestinian friends and Israeli friends at an impasse and the mm-hmm. hurt getting between them and knowing I couldn't do anything to uh-huh. improve that, it made me just look to God more and cry out and ask for God's help and intervention and healing in our world and want that and be committed to praying and seeking reconciliation as a main part of my faith journey between people. And I think that's still something I carry with me, the desire to work at reconciliation Mm -hmm. and is a big part of the church tradition Mm -hmm. that I'm in now. Reconciliation and peacemaking is such a huge part of the Mennonite church. And that resonates with me kind of going back to that experience. And I think the sense of pilgrimage, it was fulfilled. Like I felt like I did have a lot of holy moments and encounters with God, but I also came back feeling, as I said earlier, that pilgrimage can happen even in your own place. We talk about yeah. like staycations or being where you are and, and having a posture yeah. of doing stuff differently. You can yeah. have pilgrimage right where you are. That was a meaningful insight. Yeah, I'm I'm really glad that you mentioned about your classmates. I thought I was going to come up with this really insightful question and asking you about uh, whether or not that also impacted your, your journey in faith. But then of course you touched on it. So that was really great. One thought that came to my mind, and I don't know what you think about this while you were talking, especially about writing the email, is it made me think of maybe there's an analogy there between when the the curtain in the temple was torn down, kind of us being able to see, you know, I think we could easily see these holy sites and these sites dedicated to events in the Bible and kind of really hold them with real reverence for the power that they hold. But in a way, just like you said, there they're kind of with uh, the tearing, just as with the tearing of down of the curtain, with the curtain tearing temple, kind of letting God be so accessible to everyone, like you say, just no matter where you are. And, um, and, and beautiful and awe-inspiring, amazing as those places I think must be, and I would love to see them too. We can't forget that it's just as meaningful to have moments of, of connection with God, um, you know, like you say, writing an email or mowing our lawn or washing the dishes or wherever we may be. Absolutely. Yes. I agree with that a hundred percent. Sometimes we are searching and feel like we have to, to go far away to find what we're looking for. But if there's, mm-hmm. like you said, uh, a basic message to bring home to that is that we can encounter God and change and renewal and new insight right where we are. And often what we're looking for can be encountered right in front of us, you know, the daily simple things it's hidden to see, but yeah, but it's there. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Really? Maybe as maybe a way to wrap up a little bit. How did you feel when your trip was over and you were back? Did you feel that the trip had a real significant role to play in your deciding to enter into the seminary instead of uh, international relations? Yes. I think it magnified my interest in Hebrew and going deeper in scripture and and history Mm -hmm. and theology. There were a lot of interesting conversations that I had then with people from many different backgrounds. There were a lot of seminary students who were there when I 
was uh, attending at the Hebrew University, so I had interesting conversations with them or with my Jewish or yeah. Palestinian friends, and questions came up about God or about faith, and it, those types of questions you carry with you, and I, and I wanted to explore them more, and yeah. seminary was a great way yeah. to do that. In fact, <laughs> I, I remember having a conversation with some Lutheran students who were in seminary at the time, and they, uh, and they said, you need yeah. to go to seminary. And I said, oh, I think that I could probably explore these questions on my own. You know, I could have a, probably a job and and that they yeah. looked at me real skeptically. And they're like, uh, we we really think for you, we really think you need to explore these in seminary. Mm. So I guess, and how they think about it, there were wow. seeds, there were other people, at, you know, earlier before yeah. my junior year who had, had you know, seen certain things um, happening, recommended yeah. that. But, but anyway, in terms of an wow. impact, yes, it contributed towards mm. that. I think it, there was a great sense of humbling for me um, coming back, mm-hmm. feeling like the world is larger than I knew. There's a lot more suffering in the world mm-hmm. that I knew, and which increased my posture towards trying to be empathetic and listen and consider mm-hmm. other right. people's stories and suffering. I had heard a lot about the Israeli-Palestinian narrative from a pro-Israeli right. standpoint, from a certain angle Uh and i still after going continue to think about and listen to the israeli side of things from my friends Mm -hmm. but i also heard a whole new side of it of the perspective from palestinian friends so coming back and realizing how complex and nuanced problems and challenges can be not as black and white so i think it maybe made me view the broader world in a maybe a more nuanced way like i said i was i was an optimist going into it i still am but i was definitely more Uh, i guess you would say I had some elements of realism poured over me, <laughs> and I had mm. to come back and deal with that. Mm. And, um, anytime you see suffering, it you come, mm. I think, come back hopefully more empathetic and trying to work for positive outcomes where you are and how to help people where you are. So I think that that helped me grow for sure. Yeah, boy, it has just been fantastic this time today, and I'm kind of seeing seen some overlap between the story that some of the stories that touched on last week and me talking about Thailand and, you know, especially how, you know, these trips that we take or these things that we do, you know, we, we maybe go in with some expectations and think some things and maybe expect, uh, maybe try to anticipate what the end result will be. And, and then we see God's hand working and, you know, in some ways, definitely leading us other ways. And it's just interesting how in our case that it happened to be travel, you know, overseas travel that was kind of the the catalyst for this in, in our life. And, um, uh, me personally, I'm really looking forward to unpacking more of our stories together as we continue this, this podcast. And I'm really thankful for hearing all of these great things that you mentioned about today. Anything that you want to close with? Yes, uh, just for our listeners, if they have any ideas, uh, questions, or things that they'd like to suggest to, that they could respond to our uh, podcast when we post it, and also to encourage them if they haven't gone abroad and they have the opportunity to um, consider it and to not just shy away from the opportunity because mm-hmm. it's intimidating or, mm-hmm. or different. But often I think yeah. when you get out of your comfort zone and try something like that, mm-hmm. it's very transformative and positive. Mm-hmm. And so I just encourage any of our listeners who haven't gone abroad, if they get the chance to try to pursue Yeah. Yeah, I completely agree. And um, and uh, probably they'll find other people encouraging them and able to support them in that. Today, this has been our second episode of the Two World Podcast. And uh, I personally uh, 
thank you for taking the time to listen. And um, I hope that you find that it was enriching for you as uh, it has been for me. And I hope also that you're looking forward to the next episode. Thank you.